Hi everyone and welcome to our podcast, Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Downsybrink and as ever I am here with the lovely Sophie Claus, my co-host. Hello lovelies. So Soph, today we wanted to take a first look at menopause and work. So we have personally had very different experiences of menopause and work. Namely because Diane is self-employed. Yes. And I work for a very large company. Yeah. I work in the defence industry, um, which the company I work for is actually 82% male. Wow. So it's changing. Okay. Um, Since I've been there, there's there's more women. but it's a really hard place to be going through anything menopause yeah but especially menopause yeah but anything sort of female gynae periods mm. pregnancy yeah before surgery and um, because obviously i had endometriosis um i remember being in a meeting and leaking onto my bright orange chair oh bless you and heart. having to stand up in front of a group of men and leave the room. Oh gosh! And you. it was just absolutely mortifying. Yeah. But strangely, I found the um, menopause symptoms I was experiencing because obviously I was having very intense symptoms, mm. more embarrassing, um, especially the brain fog right. and the forgetfulness, mm. because I just kind of felt like I'd completely lost my way. Mm. I wasn't sure of my place yeah. in the company yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember returning to work after the surgery. It was probably about five months after the hysterectomy. Mm. So I'd had quite a good amount of time off. Mm. Um, and I remember sitting in a meeting that was actually my meeting. And I, I was chairing it. Mm. And I did not know why I was there. I did not know what I was supposed to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a presentation and the presentation was as much as a surprise to me than it was to everyone else. Right. Um, And thankfully in the meeting, I had an engineer who I'm friends with and he just kind of said, oh, Sophie, come outside for a second. We'll have a chat. We went outside the room and he said, are you okay? And I just broke down and said, I just don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I can't remember how to do my job. Mm. And even saying that to you now, it sounds like I'm exaggerating. Um, but I really had forgotten the processes that have been ingrained into me. Yeah. I was a project controller at the time. Um, everything was in a set monthly cycle. Mm-hmm. I'd been doing it for a number of years. Yep. Um, so it some, wasn't new to you? No, it wasn't new to me. In some ways, it's quite mandrolic and yep. routine. Yep. Um, because it's this month in, month out cycle. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, I'm losing all my integrity right now. I'm losing respect. Yeah. And, you know, no one was being horrible to me or anything no, 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 like that. No, 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 but that was your personal perception. My perception. Yeah. And I felt like I was letting people down mm. and I felt really embarrassed and ashamed. Mm. And I remember I just went back to my desk after that meeting and said to my boss at the time, I just can't do this. And I, I left, I left sight and I drove home in a complete state and remember just sitting down with Stephen and having a real frank conversation about trying to actually protect the reputation I'd built for myself. Right. 
How long? Um, how long you? How long have you been with the organisation? So it'll be six years. Six years this September. Okay. So quite quite a while. Okay. And you went into surgical menopause last February. Okay. So 14, 15 months ago. Yeah. 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 Um, were they? I I know you know sort of I know it's quite a protected area that you work in. Mm-hmm. Um, were they quite open to hearing what you know kind of what you were going to potentially go through did you have anybody to talk to within the organization about you know kind of what you were going to encounter in surgical menopause um was there anybody to sort of counsel you as to what the organization could do to support you etc I was quite lucky because it is such a big organisation that we have a occupational health department. Mm-hmm. So I had told them what was going on. Right. Um, and they referred me to the company doctor who I saw kind of every other month in yep. the run up to the surgery. Because yep. obviously I wasn't well b- beforehand. Um, but for every day kind of being there, um, at the time I didn't have... I had, I had a different boss to who I have now mm-hmm. and I didn't feel able to be able to talk to them about it. Right. And I think this is commonplace. Was it a male boss? It was a male okay, boss. Okay, because you said it's a very male-dominated yeah. industry and organisation. Yes. Yeah, fair yeah. to say, yeah. Um, and I, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. I was mm. still kind of, in some ways, I, was, I, I hadn't had ad- adequate HRT by that point. Mm-hmm. I felt completely lost. I didn't feel myself. And in the workplace, I just felt like I couldn't talk about it because if I did, I'd be opening up, I'd be dropping down my defences and just opening up this tidal wave, in my case, of just sadness. And I I just felt so nervous that... I mean, when I went back to site initially, I was still in so much pain post-surgery. I struggled to open the security doors. They were too heavy for me. Really? And pulling the door would, would hurt my stomach. Oh, I can, yeah, I can, I can totally understand that. Lovely. Did you have, like, do you have other women in your team or in your organisation who, you know, sort of you could talk with, share with at all? I, well, funnily enough, when I returned to work, there'd been a contractor employed to cover me mm. whilst I was off. Mm. Um, and she and I quickly built up a rapport. Okay. And I'm so thankful that she was there because she was the only female, other female on the team. Really? Okay. And she just kind of really helped me. She had my back Mm. because I would just turn around to her some days and be like, I've been awake all night having night sweats. I'm not even sure how I'm here right now because Mm -hmm. I felt so fatigued. Mm. Um, Probably suffering from heat exhaustion because I was just so hot all the time. I was constantly boiling. What's the kind of, what's the environment that you work in so what's kind of the physical environment you work in so it's air conditioned okay um which prior to surgery i was always like it's so cold why is it like the arctic in here and now i'm like bliss (laughs) i love it everyone sits there with fleeces on and i'm wearing my vest top right (laughs) a camisole um but it it can be quite an intense environment Mm -hmm. you know we we are working in a defense industry Mm -hmm. it's pretty kind of rigid yep um you've got tight deadlines to work for you're you're held accountable for Mm -hmm. things um and when you're around males 
I kind of always felt like I needed to prove myself and be okay. this really strong, independent woman. Yeah. Um, and just, I found it very hard for people to see me not at my vulnerable. best. Yeah, they saw me vulnerable. They mm. saw, I felt exposed. Yeah. And I just, I just felt really anxious quite a lot of the time mm. because I just, I didn't want to let anyone down. Mm. Um, I love the company I work for. Mm. Um, I'd, I've, I'd always wanted to work there, right? Because my granddad, who's like my idol, he worked at the same company. Oh, wow. So I've kind of oh, like that's followed. amazing. Yeah, so I've like followed in his footsteps. Oh, that's and really cool. There's brilliant opportunity and support. Mm. Um, but I think one of my friends said to me, if you'd gone back to work in an environment that was not male dominated, mm. or um, you know, in a, into an office full of women, yeah. you would she said I think you would have felt the same and actually I think to a certain extent I still would have felt worried that people could see that I wasn't at my best or because it's what people you noticed. feel about you rather than what you're thinking other people feel about you it's what you're feeling yeah and if you're if you're presenting some data or trying to give people an update on where you are on a project and you're standing there, and in my case, I was standing there with sweat dripping off my face. Mm. I remember having it run over my moustache and down my chest. Mm. And I just thought, no one's listening to what I'm saying because everyone's looking at me thinking, what's happening to her? Yeah. Why is she like that? Yeah. And I just wanted to hide. I just wanted to run. Mm. And then as a result, it meant I then had to take quite a long time off work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a new line manager came on board and we had an introductory meeting and she took me aside afterwards Ah. and she said, you are in agony. And I was like, yes, I am. And she went, you're not feeling yourself. She said, I can see that you're just not well. She's like, get your stuff and go home for three months. Oh my goodness. And that's what I did. And she, I actually think in some ways she saved me because she, she just told me to... Gave you permission. Yeah. And then she kept in contact with me. And it was during that time I was off work that I I was actually... I ended up being off work for actually six months in right. the end. Um, unpaid. Yeah. Towards the end. Yeah. Um, and it was in that time that I kind of realised that I'm different. I've changed. Yeah. And that actually it's okay. Mm-hmm. So it's I that spoke kind to of them. coming to terms with change, isn't it? Yeah, and just yeah. that my body's not only has my body changed, but mentally I, I have changed. Mm. I I'm, I have to write notes for everything. I have to have not one reminder for things, but two or three. Yeah. Um my mind and this is not saying that everyone's going to be like this, I think for me it's just cognitively it has impacted me a mm-hmm. lot more than I expected. Yeah. Um so I decided to change job roles which has had a financial impact mm-hmm. and also go part-time right. because I struggle with fatigue mm-hmm. and that has been a huge difference. Mm. Um, I felt a lot better, but then on the flip side, it brings the financial strain yep. because we were used to me having a full-time salary yep. and now I'm, I'm part-time. Yeah. Um, so you kind of feel like you're winning and you're losing in some ways? Yeah, I think it's probably just about protecting your well-being really, isn't it, when it comes down to it. I mean, I really resonate with what you're saying about the financial part of it because, as you said right at the beginning, um, I'm self-employed and I've been self-employed for, you know, a very long time. Um, 
but when you when you don't work you don't get paid and nobody pays you sick pay you're solely reliant on you nobody pays for your holidays and I'm not complaining about any of that that's my choice that's what I decided to do but when you're feeling really vulnerable and really low that's really scary really scary and anybody that has ever had to have time away from their own small business will tell you exactly the same thing. How did you feel? Did you feel like dependent on Martin or guilty? Um, probably guilty. Mm. Um, not so much. I mean, you know, sort of we've we've always had, you know, kind of joint finances for as long as I can remember. Um, and not once did he make me feel you know, sort of, that you need to do this quicker, you need to get better quicker, you need to get back to work quicker. But like you, it wasn't what he, what I, it was what I thought he was thinking, <laughs> not what he was saying. And it was also how I felt about myself. Mm -hmm. Because, because I was in quite a low place anyway, you know, I had sort of, I'd worked out this scenario where me being unwell and me not being able to work would mean that, you know, I already felt quite hopeless and useless. So I'd worked out this scenario in my head that we would lose the house and, you know, pretty much end up living in a paper bag. And completely blaming yourself. Yeah, it would all be my fault. Mm. And of course, the thing is, every day... Every day you don't feel fit enough to work just compounds that anxiety. And if you're already feeling anxious because of, you know, your fluctuating hormones, or in my case, lack of them, um, then that's very difficult to, it's very difficult to quantify. It's very difficult to be level-headed about any of that. Because um, you lose all sense of normality. Mm. Everything that you knew prior to surgery or menopause mm. kind of goes out the window mm. and it just all feeds into this belief that mm. for me and I think for you, you said mm. earlier that you, you're being useless or yeah. you're letting people down. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one of the things that I've sort of encountered professionally now is the amount of women that I work with, support who say, who are in, um, in some way, shape or form, their professional role involves looking after other people. So whether they're nurses, um, whether they are healthcare professionals in some way, shape or form, or teachers, mm -hmm. because they feel this huge responsibility to either their patients or their, the children that they're looking after, they feel that if they're not on top of their game, not necessarily physically, but cognitively, if they're not on top of their game, then if anything happened to somebody they were looking for, looking after or somebody that they were supposed to be teaching and, you know, kind of being the support system for, that it would be their fault. And they turn that back in on themselves. And honestly, I can't tell you the amount of healthcare professionals, mainly nurses mm -hmm. um, or teachers or teaching assistants who have either reduced their hours or they've left altogether because, because they didn't feel that they had somebody to turn to to be able to discuss that 
Um, and, you know, when they went to doctors, etc., to talk about it, were mainly told, you know, well, you're depressed, you're stressed, work is clearly getting on top of you, you need some antidepressants, not recognising that these symptoms were related to perimenopause. Um, and even, you know, kind of even women in senior positions within big organisations... Um, you know, I've been really lucky recently and I've spoken, um, I've spoken at quite a lot of law firms um, and there are some senior women there who, you know, one in particular stands out for me um, when I went to talk to this organisation. She introduced me and she was so candid, you know, about what was going on with her. And that's what we need. We need women to lead women in positions similar to hers to stand up and say do you know what I've gone through this I've had a really rubbish time um I had to take some time off and but I'm back and I'm okay and I'm happy to talk about it and brilliant women within organizations need not just women but men too to say do you know in kind of in a similar way that hopefully we're starting to do with mental health mm-hmm. Um, is to talk about menopause like this. Because if you don't have a role model, if you don't have somebody that says, you know, kind of, do you know what? It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you useless. It doesn't make you rubbish. Do you know what? It's perfectly natural. Um, But if only we were prepared and had some idea of what might be coming, then I don't think it would come as such as such a shock. That's the thing for so many women is that they have no idea. Mm. You know, for me, prior to all of this, I just thought menopause was the odd hot flush here and there. <laughs> I literally had no clue I completely, about any of it. I completely agree. Never envisaged that it could impact a career, the amount of women that come to the group in Hitchin who it has impacted their job mm. in some way, shape or form. Mm. Um, some that felt like they've had to they've had to leave yeah. employment. Yeah. Um, and actually, if, if those conversations were just in companies, if they had policies in place where those conversations could happen and, um, you know, my boss could turn around and say, well, what can I do to help you? And I'm very lucky now that since moving function, um, I have a male line manager. Okay. He's absolutely brilliant. I couldn't ask for a better manager. Mm-hmm. And he did say to me after joining, he said, it's been an education. <laughs> but isn't that isn't that fantastic yeah and he said I did not have any idea and now I know and then a few people in my office because I work in an office with um, it's quite a small department now which is lovely mm. um, but 15 men right and they you know they can see me day in day out yep. some days are good especially recently with my real struggles yes. they were all fantastic through that time because I, I just wasn't really in the room mm. um but they're learning. So when they go home to their partners, yep. or if they have a, a daughter that goes through menopause, or their mum's going through menopause, mm. they're just going to have that awareness there. Yeah. And it surprised me just by saying the odd kind of comment like, oh, feeling really forgetful today, or I'm really tired. And then they'll say, well, why? And I'll say, well, in menopause, it's quite com- common to experience insomnia. Yeah. Well, why is that? Mm. And they ask loads of questions and seem genuinely quite interested. And, you know, I think, you know, sort of not just not just men, but women, you know, people do want to know. They, they are genuinely interested. It's just that they don't know how to ask, how to open the conversation. 
I and want this, to offend. Exactly. And this goes right back to our conversation in an earlier podcast about why it's so key that we teach young people. Because, oh, hello, the Air yeah. Force are out by the sounds of We had the, a most amazing helicopter fly past the window early, didn't we? <laughs> and I turned to Diane and I said, what have you done? Because <laughs> it would be me, of course. Let's face it, people. Um, but yeah, I think people do definitely want to know. It's just where do they go to get that information? Um, and who do they talk to? So, yeah, you know, kind of... I, it, sounds, it needs to be readily available. Yeah, like we said about in companies when a woman's pregnant. Yeah. You get your workplace assessment, don't you? And you get your information and like, this is what you need to do when you get to this stage and this stage. They need to have the same with menopause. You know, if, if you're experiencing menopause issues in the workplace and you're feeling like it's impacting your day-to-day life, what can we do as a company to make it that you can stay here and be as valuable to us as you've always been. Do you know what? That can would be a great poster. That would be a great poster within the workplace. What, what you just do? said, yeah. you know, kind of. Or it would be a great sort of conversation starter mm. to put something up that said, if you think that you're experiencing any of these symptoms, what can we do? So it could be completely anonymous. What can we do to help you? And then people could scribble on completely anonymously what it was that they felt the organisation could do to help. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be a good way for them to kind of draft their guidelines. Um, And as, you know, as I know you've heard many times, um, you know, sort of one of the aims of the campaign is to ensure that all organisations have guidelines in time. But in the meantime, there's nothing to stop an organisation creating their own guidelines. Um, and there are two really good for anybody that's sort of involved in that work or wants their organisation to look at this. There are two really good free resources. Um, the Faculty of Occupational Medicine have created a four page document about menopause at work. You can download it free. And also the CIPD, um, which is sort of the umbrella organisation for HR professionals they've actually created a whole part of their website dedicated to menopause. Um, and there's all sorts of kind of tools and tips and guidance and whatnot on there um, that you could actually take to, um, to your HR department or to your line manager and say, look, do we have anything on this? Um, and obviously if you are an HR manager um, or a line manager who thinks that this is something your organisation needs to do, then definitely have a look at sort of those free resources because they're a really good place to start. Brilliant. We'd love, absolutely love to speak to women who would be happy to share their menopause in the workplace experiences. Yeah, definitely. So if you're somebody who lives in Bedfordshire, Buckinghamshire or Hertfordshire and you'd like to come and join us on the podcast to talk about your experience and maybe what you found helpful or how your organisation has supported you, then we would love to do that. And so they can get in touch by emailing <laughs> us on hello menopause podcast at hotmail.com or contacting us on Instagram at the underscore menopause underscore podcast fantastic and we'll talk a bit more about this won't we this is going to be an ongoing dialect yeah there'll be part two part three um actually what we could do is we could get i've got a friend who is an hr expert we could get her to come in and give us some top tips 
um, and tools for people and how they can sort of how they can help themselves and also what you should expect from your employer um, you know sort of what what it should what they should be doing to, to help support you so that might be a nice one for the future Definitely. brilliant as always have a great week and wherever you're listening hope you see some sunshine soon and we'll be back next week with another one Definitely. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye.